Welcome to another episode of Nashville Anthems, dissecting 80s and 90s country music. I'm your committed host, Melton McMainerberry, and special thanks to the band Brooksville Station for providing the theme music for this episode. Our mission on Nashville Anthems is to understand what exactly it is that makes 80s and 90s country music work so particularly well. And we do that by picking apart the songs played on satellite radio's 80s and 90s country station one at a time. Today, we finally get to an icon and pioneer of 1980s neo-traditionalism. North Carolina's own Randy Travis with one of his early hits, On the Other Hand. So, if you haven't already, why don't you pause me now and give On the Other Hand a close listen or two. After all, listening to Randy Travis is pretty much never a bad idea, right? And now, let's get into it. Let's start as we usually do by giving credit where credit is due, courtesy of my friend and yours, Wikipedia. This song has an interesting history. Here's what happened. Randy Travis, then billed as his real name, Randy Trewick, had released a couple of singles in 1978 that flopped. Then he signed with Warner Brothers and released, on the other hand, as a single seven years later in 1985 as his major label debut, which also flopped peaking way down at number 67 on the Billboard country chart. And just in case you thought radio programmers and DJs were infallible, let me say that again. Randy Travis's, on the other hand, went nowhere when it was initially released as a single. So why is it considered a classic today? I mean, besides the fact that it's a great song by a great singer. Well, it turns out it was Randy Travis's next single, the song entitled 1982, that put him on the map, peaking at number 6, After which, Warner Brothers, quite wisely it seems, re-released On the Other Hand, and it reached, you guessed it, number one. Go figure. So both of those songs were ultimately included on Travis's debut album, Storms of Life, along with another number one single, the classic Diggin' Up Bones, and the number two single, No Place Like Home. Reasons I Cheat is also on that album, which I would have bet was also a single, but apparently I would have lost that bet. Turns out it was just an album cut. But anyway, it's on there, and hopefully, needless to say at this point, Storms of Life is a great record, and it's well worth checking out if you've never listened to it all the way through, or if it's just been a while. Now, in terms of writing credits, Randy Travis did occasionally write his own material, but much more often, like contemporary pioneer George Strait, Randy Travis stayed in his lane of, you know absolutely nailing the vocals every single time on songs which talented songwriters had written for a great singer like him to sing. And on the other hand, is no exception. It was penned by a couple of popular songwriters of the time, frequent collaborators Don Schlitz and Paul Overstreet. And they're both worth looking up because they wrote many songs that you know and love. Way too many for me to name here. But I will name at least some of the other Randy Travis hits that they're responsible for. So Paul Overstreet wrote or co-wrote the aforementioned Digging Up Bones and No Place Like Home. Don Schlitz wrote or co-wrote Heroes and Friends and Point of Light. And together they put out, you know, minor hits like Deeper Than the Holler and Forever and Ever Amen. Not bad, right? That's really only scratching the surface. Paul Overstreet and Don Schlitz are worth a Google. Actually, even if you didn't know Paul Overstreet as a songwriter, you probably do know him as a recording artist. He had a fairly successful career of his own in the late 80s and early 90s. A couple of cuts from that era that you probably remember. Daddy's Come Around to Mama's Way of Thinking, you remember that one? And uh, one called Seeing My Father in Me. Hmm, I'm detecting a pattern. Well, anyway, let's round out the credits for On the Other Hand. Credited producers were Kyle Laning, 
and a name we've seen before in both of our Alan Jackson episodes, Keith Stigall. Okay, so that's some background. Now let's get into the substance of the song itself and try to uncover at least what I'm hearing that makes, on the other hand, what it is. And you know where we have to start, right? Of course, much like I said in our very first episode with Patty Loveless, any discussion of Randy Travis has to begin with Randy Travis's voice. Simply put, it's one of the greatest in country music history. On one hand, I count the reasons I could stay with you And hold you close to me all night long I'm going to attempt some adjectives that describe the rich, rich vocals on, on the other hand, trying to do justice to the total package. Randy Travis's voice on this song is natural, it's effortless, it's earnest, it's intimate, slow, steady, unhurried, and unforced. It sounds like he's been slightly tipped over, and these vocals are just gently and organically pouring out of him. In your arms I feel the passions, I thought it died. When I looked into your eyes, I found myself. Travis's voice is drawly, it's certainly drawly, with those scoops from way down deep in his highly resonant lower register up to whatever mid-range melody note he's ultimately aiming for. And drawl is a phenomenon we've seen a lot, obviously, and notably from Garth Brooks and Long Neck Bottle, where the drawl in that case added to the inebriation of the song. Let go of my hand. But Randy Travis's drawl is super authentic sounding, far from being even slightly overwrought, forced, unnatural like his many, many imitators. I've got to hand it to you, girl. You're something else. Everyone else doing that specific drawl sounds at least a little bit like they're trying. Randy Travis doesn't sound like he's trying. Listen to this live performance from 1986. Absolutely sublime. It's just untouchable. Now, there's a really important distinction here. When Garth Brooks sings with a draw, yes, it is, forced isn't quite the word, but it is not totally natural, no. And that's because, and we've talked about this, Garth Brooks is immersive in his delivery, delivering each song differently, even subtly so, depending on what the song is calling for. One of his major strengths is in his Billy Joel-esque ability to be a musical chameleon, nailing all these myriad of different styles convincingly. In a sense, Garth Brooks is a great actor. She wasn't quite the angel that I remembered in my dreams, and I could tell the time. For all the years that he spent chasing this dream they call Raw Eagle. Oh, well, it's bulls and blood, it's a dust. Long, long, Nick Bottle. 
It's a totally different shtick having its own particular greatness from what Randy Travis does and is doing on On the Other Hand. But on the other hand There's a golden band So when I say Randy Travis's many imitators all sound to a degree forced in their drawly imitation, I'm not necessarily saying that's bad. But I am saying that Randy Travis's effortless ability to connect through all the subtleties of his natural, understated delivery is absolutely wonderful to behold. To remind me of someone who would not understand. There have been others we can say that of, don't get me wrong. In fact, we've talked about it with both Alan Jackson and Patti Loveless, remarkable singers in their own right for their own subtle, personable, and naturally colorful deliveries. Settle down, just what they need, living on love. Sitting with mom, alone in her bedroom. And obviously, Travis's contemporary neo-traditional pioneer, George Strait, falls into this category as well. It started way back in third grade. I used to sit beside him in we're talking about the kind of singer who is effective at entertaining tens of thousands of people at a time by just standing in front of a mic and delivering a song. Garth Brooks, that ain't, right? Garth Brooks is doing something completely different. Effective, extremely effective in its own right. But Randy Travis is all the more remarkable a singer because his delivery is itself so naturally engaging. I'll be so bold, in fact, to call Randy Travis a once-in-a-generation vocal talent. Of the era we're covering, and, and please... Talk to me if you disagree. I boldly claim that Randy Travis is simply the greatest singer in country music. And yes, I hear some of you screaming George Jones at your podcast players, and I won't argue with you that George Jones isn't the gold standard for country singers. I'm just excluding him from the set of candidates for this era. Of singers who peaked in the 80s and 90s, whose vocals surpassed those of Randy Travis? I argue, no one's. Now, in addition to Randy Travis's inherently unaffected voice, I want to point out and relish the fact that these vocals are technologically unaffected as well. I acknowledge the fairly light echo effect, but I mean, that's it. You're hearing Travis's voice all natural here. There's no compression that I can discern anyway. No pitch correction, obviously, for this era. And what a crime that would be if there was any. And really, nothing between you and these vocals. So many... Lovers games. I'd love to play with you. It sounds like he's right there, right? There's an intimacy, not only to his delivery, but in the way his voice comes through, so pure and front of center in the mix of Kyle Lanning and Keith Steele's production here. It's very well produced precisely because it's produced with such a light touch. Laning and Stagall evidently had the awareness to know when to get out of the way and let natural brilliance shine through. And don't take that for granted, mind you. Remember, this was early in Randy Travis's career, very early. His first major label single, in fact, as we said. And bear in mind that Country Radio evidently did not recognize Randy Travis's greatness at first. So really, Laning and Stagall had nothing but their own ears to tell them that they were onto something special here. And later history would say, onto something they very clearly were, but they couldn't have known that at the time. Notice too, and we kind of alluded to this already, the tight, modest vocal range of On the Other Hand. It's pitched quite low, actually. The melody only stays within a single octave range between middle C 
on the high end and an octave below middle C on the bottom. Very attainable for almost any man to sing. And it kind of sounds even lower, right? And that's because of how good Travis's voice sounds when he scoops into those melody notes from lower down in his register. That's already Travis Hallmark, and again, something he manages to sound extremely natural and unaffected doing. When I looked into your eyes, I found myself. And it's far from being flashy, like one of the tenors we've talked about, belting stuff out way above the typical male register. It's more just rich color. It makes his voice endlessly interesting to listen to. I actually found a video online of a performance from 2000 where the song had actually been lowered a half step down to E. So you get even deeper resonance from those scoops. On one hand, I count reason. I can stay with you and hold you close to me all night long. Boy, he still sounds great there, doesn't he? Let's dig into the idea of modesty a little bit more, because I think that concept is a key part of the DNA of this song as a whole. On the other hand, it has a certain aw shucks vibe. We talked about this in the How Your Love Makes Me Feel episode, actually comparing it to Randy Travis's Deeper Than the Holler, because both of those songs have that country simpleton thing going on from different angles. The former playing it for kind of cutesy, ironic laughs, and the latter spinning it still sweet, but a little more serious and less self-aware. Well, put on the other hand in that latter category, or close to it, it's certainly not ironic in the slightest, as we've seen with many of the songs we've covered, particularly before the mid to late 90s. And on the other hand, it doesn't quite make you smile like Deeper Than the Holler does. We'll get to some of why that is in a bit. But like Deeper Than the Holler, as well as How Your Love Makes Me Feel, for that matter, on the other hand, chooses only simple vocabulary to make its point. So almost every word of all three of these songs is either one or two syllable. On the other hand, has exactly one three-syllable word in it. It's the word understand in the chorus. And it has no four or more syllable words at all. Actually, the vast majority of the words are one syllable. Take the verse, for example. On one hand, I count the reasons I could stay with you. Okay, that's almost all one syllable. The exception is the word reasons. And hold you close to me all night long. Yep, line two is all one syllable. So many lovers' games, I'd love to play with you. So the words many and lovers are both two syllable. The rest of that line is all one. On that hand. Why it's wrong. So there you have the two-syllable word reason surrounded by all one-syllable words. So you get the idea. The words in this song are short, and moreover, they are simple. There's also an economy of words here that maybe isn't true of the other two songs we just mentioned. The message here is concise, with lots of open space in the middle for contemplation, either by the narrator himself or his second-person audience. But on the other hand, there's a golden band to remind. It sounds like he's doing like the bare minimum of processing the situation mentally as he narrates it, right? So you have again kind of that Mayberry vibe that we talked about in Bubba Shot the Jukebox, 
Though this time, it's one of the poignant scenes. It's the one with the baby birds, right? And not one of the ones with Otis the Town drunk. And so, the marriage here with Randy Travis's earnestly simple delivery is as perfect as Clint Black's delivery was for Killing Time. And there's strong common DNA here, too, with Alan Jackson's modest delivery in I'll Try, a song about saying you're trying more than actually doing it. Alan Jackson takes, from where I sit, a fairly unpalatable view of his powerlessness to avoid cheating that really only worked because Alan Jackson's delivery is honest enough to pull it off. I do think you have something really similar going on here. Have you ever really listened to what Randy Travis is saying, and on the other hand? But let's not scoop ourselves. We'll return to that question in a moment. Let's first close out our discussion of modesty in this song, because it's not just modest lyrically, it's also modest in form. Notice the roadmap of this song. It's very simple. Verse, chorus, verse, chorus, tag, and that's it. The song is over. There is no bridge, no instrumental break, no repeated chorus, no word twist on the last chorus. Shout out to listener Jason Marsden, by the way. No fade out. The song just strums the final chord, and it's done. Yeah, the reason I must go is on the other hand. So definitely nothing flashy here. We actually don't even know the outcome, I guess because it's Randy Travis singing it. We just kind of naturally assume he didn't stray, but hmm, he must go. But did he? Well, finally, on this modesty idea, and this is really interesting to me, musically, the one thing the song does that's maybe attention-grabbing, if you will, is give us a noticeable contrast between its verses and its choruses, especially the first time. Notice how the instrumentation fills out when the song transitions to that first chorus. Why it's wrong, but on the other hand. It goes from just bare minimum acoustic rhythm guitar, simple bass guitar, and very light percussion to adding piano, electric guitar, and a steel guitar that, through both choruses, actually threatens to, well, steal the show from Randy Travis's vocals. Don't worry, it doesn't. But it is great. It's definitely worth a listen through of this song with your ears locked just on the steel guitar. To remind me of someone who would not understand. It's great stuff. In the chorus, we also get the addition of harmony vocals. So sonically, there's much more texture in the chorus than we heard in the verse. And the contrast is not quite as pronounced the second time around, but it's still pretty striking. Switching from these great little Floyd Kramer-style piano fills in between vocal lines in the second verse to, again, this full lush guitar in the second chorus. You, girl, you're something else But on the other hand There's also a harmonic change at this point in the song. The verse ends with a five chord, led into by a two major chord, very strongly suggesting that the song will resolve to the one chord next. But instead, the chorus starts not with the one chord, but with the four chord. So this song is in the key of F major. So listen to the end of the verse, how it pulls a switcheroo on you when the chorus starts. On that hand there why it's wrong, but on the other hand. We go from this chord, a G, 
that's the two major in this key, to the five chord, that's C, actually it's C seventh, so that's an even stronger lead in to the chord you're expecting at that point, which is this chord, an F major chord, the one chord in this key. But instead of that F chord, we get this, a B flat chord, the four chord in this key. And an otherwise minor twist like that is actually a pretty big deal in a lazy four chord song like this. It employs pretty predictable, infrequent chord changes. This has begun to emerge as a common theme of this music. How this sort of thing is highly relative. A musical move that would seem simple and unremarkable in another more musically complex context turns out to be quite jarring when set inside of such musical simplicity. We saw this in the anticlimactic musical climax in Unanswered Prayers, didn't we? It's the idea that a song's understated character is actually accentuated by modest musical fireworks like this. In other words, precisely because, on the other hand's most dramatic musical moment is only a slight rise in its otherwise steady stream, reminds us that the stream is actually quite steady. It's about subtlety, especially in this song. Again, Travis's rich and understated delivery marries perfectly with this, it's about what he's not saying and not doing, both in terms of the story being narrated and in terms of the musical setting that the story is communicated within. So with that said, let's close out this episode by digging more into exactly what this song is narrating. Because once again, as we've seen so often in 80s and 90s country music, on the other hand, takes a fairly relatable topic, a country cliche even, like cheating, and much like Tanya Tucker's soon did with that same cliche, looks at it through a unique lens. So what's distinctive about, on the other hand's point of view here? And I have to say, as many times as I've heard this song, and I can certainly count them on more than one hand, way more, I had never actually realized this before. And I'm not about to say anything terribly insightful here, don't get me wrong, the song makes no attempt to hide this, but maybe Travis's good old boy delivery had lulled me away all these years from the song's actual lyrical content. So on the other hand is a song about a man who is nobly resisting sexual temptation, right? Sort of. He's clearly, if not maybe totally steadfastly, Refusing to cross one line with this woman, granted, and it's a major one, a point of no return kind of line. But, er, on the other hand, I mean, the fact is he's already crossed another line, and it's no small one either. Notice he refused to play the lover's games with her, refused to hold her close all night long. Okay, that's a good thing. So far, so good, I guess, at least one verse in. But wait, where is he while he's saying all this? So in the first verse, it kind of sounds like he's maybe at a bar talking to a woman he's never met before, who maybe came and sat down next to him and started coming on to him. Okay, I'll buy that. And he says, on one hand, there's no reason why it's wrong. I'm not sure I follow the logic there, but okay, no harm, no foul. He's walking away, right? It's over before it started. Nothing really happened. Well, or on the other hand, look at verse 2. In your arms, I feel the passion. How would he know that? When I looked into your eyes, past tense, I found myself? That's quite a reaction from meeting a stranger in a bar. And then he says it. He leaves no doubt. He says, when I first kissed your lips, I felt so alive. Say what? When I first kissed your lips, first... So he's kissed this woman, and multiple times, no less. 
This guy's not quickly walking away from a potentially compromising public situation. He's with a very familiar woman in an intimate setting that they've been in before. And that's quite another hand, isn't it? This guy has absolutely crossed at least a line with this woman before, and arguably the very situation he's in at this moment is itself already too far. Doesn't feel quite as noble all of a sudden, right? So why then do we pull for this guy? Why do we even admire the man who's saying these things? So part of it has to be, no doubt, again, Randy Travis's delivery. The guy is just so earnest. Seems like he could sing bad things about your mama and you'd still love him for it. He's just that engagingly honest in his delivery. And and this is kind of all part of the same idea. There is just so much modesty in what this guy is saying. It doesn't even feel like he realizes he's already gone too far, right? And I'm not trying to excuse anything like this in real life or give guys excuses for infidelity or anything like that. I'm just saying that in the context of the song, there does seem to be something like that going on. The protagonist in this song is a character we've seen before on Nashville Anthems, that of the lovable loser, one who is powerless to fight some oppressive force, in this case, temptation to adultery, yet manages, seemingly, this time, against all odds, to overcome it. The song portrays far less of a man who disregards his wife enough to go willingly into a completely inappropriate situation than it does a man who is standing up to the bully that is this external temptation. Again, I'm not saying this man's role as a victim holds water in real life. It doesn't. But really, that fact makes the song all the more remarkable. The song is set up and delivered so well that we as listeners find ourselves relating to, if not downright rooting for, a man who is hurting people and knows better. And we see it once again. This is country music, and we do. On the other hand, and country music, for that matter, greatness, doesn't lie in its excusal of this kind of behavior, but in its honest portrayal of real life. Good, bad, ugly, and everything in between. And that's what at least I'm hearing in Randy Travis's On the Other Hand. Maybe you hear something else. I'd love to hear from you if so. Look Nashville Anthems up on Instagram or Facebook and tell me all about it. But for now, it's time to find out what song we'll be looking at on the next episode of Nashville Anthems, our 50th episode, actually. To that end, I'm going to pull up Satellite Radio's 80s and 90s country station right now and see what's playing. I talked about this song last week. It is one of my all-time favorites. Oh, man, I'm really excited to get to this one. This is Joe Diffie and John Deere Green. I look forward to digging into that one with you in two weeks. In the meantime, don't forget to tell a friend about us. Thanks so much for listening. Bye now. I got to go. I got something on my hand.